This podcast may contain content that is not suitable for listeners under the age of 18. If you are 17 or younger and wish to educate yourself about sex and relationships, you should visit scarletine.com. That's scarletine with one T. Hey, I'm Alicia, your non-monogamous relationship coach. Welcome to the podcast where my friends and I chat about our relationships, enthusiastic non-monogamy, polyamory, swinging, kink, and our lives. You'll get a candid peek into what makes it worth it to live life outside the box. And in case you're still wondering, nope, we're not monogamous. Welcome to today's episode, all about unlocking greater love and freedom in your relationships. (laughs) Joining me today is Daisy Sky, a chaotic femme relationship anarchist with over a decade of polyamory experience. And she's sharing a heap of knowledge on communication, setting boundaries, managing multiple connections. In our conversation today, Daisy Sky gets super candid about her journey into ethical non-monogamy. She's sharing some solid insights into choosing compatible partners overcoming scarcity mindsets, and the importance of building a supportive community in non-monogamous spaces. As the forgiveness doula, Daisy Sky also shares about her work of helping people process pain and betrayal, leading to much deeper and greater well-being. Plus, she's going to share this um, clinically backed journaling exercise for forgiveness that you can try at home. So whether you're polyamorous, non-monogamous, a swinger, polycurious, looking to heal from past relationship wounds, or just wanting to infuse more love into your life, Daisy Sky's wisdom is sure to enlighten and uplift. I hope you enjoy this. I know I sure did. Make sure that you subscribe so you never miss an episode. I'd love it if you could leave a review or a comment to help more people discover our cute little podcast here. This episode promises to open both your mind and your heart. Enjoy. Uh, exactly. <laughs> cool. Um, I'm so freaking happy you're here. I love talking to you all the time. And now I get to share with um, all the people who listen to the show um, the things that I love about talking to you about with. <laughs> Yay. Oh, thank you. I'm super stoked. Yay. <laughs> okay. So let's just start with... Um, to give everyone kind of an idea, let's start with your experience, your relationship, your uh, identifier. How do you relate to relationships? <laughs> All right. Big question. Um, so I'm Daisy Sky. I am a chaotic femme. So I enjoy bringing chaos <laughs> into my gender and my expression of femininity, which feels connected to how I approach my relationships. Uh, I have been polyamorous for over a decade now. I started in my junior year of high school. I was 17 years old when I discovered polyamory. Um, but honestly, like I can think back to like fourth grade when I would have three huge crushes at the same time and have absolutely no problem with that and just feel like, well, yeah, that's just who I am. And uh, other people might have thought that that was crazy, but I knew that was me. Uh, I'm queer. I practice polyamory in kind of a 
relationship anarchy, like take what works, leave what doesn't kind of way. I started educating when I first went to college. I got a job at the wellness center at my first school. So I would do little workshops and create blog posts and handouts about communication, mindfulness, mental health, non-monogamy, all of that. I like to say I've experimented with monogamy a couple of times <laughs> since beginning my my polyamory journey, and that was most definitely not for me. And I, I every few years, decided to take a spin around the block to make sure when I was with someone who I really uh, loved so much who wanted that from me. Uh, but ultimately, that that wasn't my truth, and I keep coming back to this more open way of loving that really prioritizes personal sovereignty and being able to get out of life whatever it is that we're most deeply desiring in the most ethical way possible. I love that so much. <laughs> oh, my God. I wish more people could... Um really figure out what works for them and embrace it that way. Um, sooner, more, all of them, everybody. <laughs> totally. It's a journey. It's uh, I, I definitely appreciate an experimental approach of just like, yes, I know I'm polyamorous. And I also know that I'm always evolving and, there are other people involved with this who also matter. Uh, and I like to just keep an open mind, even after a decade of experience in polyamory. I'm still like, well, let's see, let's see what's out there. Let's see what all the ways of doing this are. Uh, and I'm, I, I like to try out, uh, whatever comes my way and feels right in the moment. <laughs> yeah. 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 Oh, I love that. That's so good. What? Okay. <laughs> I have so many questions. Okay. Um, <laughs> obviously, now I, okay. Obviously navigating like multiple partnerships, um, or just all of all, multiple relationships, friendships, family, all the things, right? All of it can be really complex. So what would you say are some of the most, um, like most valuable lessons you've learned in that journey on, you know, communication, boundaries, balancing relationships, anything that seems really valuable and important to you. Wow. There are so many. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> the first thing that comes to mind is humanity. Like remembering that we are all humans and therefore we, we don't fit into a predetermined box. Uh, we're all going to make mistakes along the way. Uh, and staying flexible, staying compassionate, uh, towards ourselves and our partners and our metamors and all of the many people who are involved uh, in our lives and also like striking a healthy balance of, of self and other. Uh, I, I think it can be 
easy to fall too far on the end, on either end. So either into these like people pleasing, like always trying to make my schedule so that it works for everybody else and I'm meeting everyone's needs, um, or getting into uh, too much of the like, this is my life, I'm going to do what I want, like, fuck everything else. Uh, right. And if it doesn't work for you, then like, bye. You know, there's a certain, there's a certain amount of that that we need for our own self-respect, of course. Like, it's important to know where our true boundaries are and yeah. to follow through on that. Um, but not in a rigid way, preferably. Preferably we can continue to negotiate with the other people uh, who are involved in our lives and, and be able to find something that is a yes for everybody. Find something that is really going to fill our hearts and knowing that we aren't always going to have that answer when we enter into a relationship or into a discussion. Uh, but sometimes we think we do. So watching mm-hmm. out for that kind of trap of thinking there's only one way, um, but working with each other, and and playing with it and experimenting and getting creative and seeing what's out there that that might work for everybody. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Alicia here. You know, the voice you've been tuning into episode after episode. Today, I'm popping in with an invitation that's really close to my heart. Behind the scenes, I've been crafting something special just for you, my dedicated listeners. If there's a voice inside you that's seeking guidance on navigating the realms of relationships and non-monogamy, um, wanting to like boost your confidence and find that unwavering sense of security, or you're struggling to manage the tricky waters of jealousy, I'm here to offer my support. I've cleared my schedule to open up 50 slots this month for free one-on-one clarity chats directly with me. So this is your opportunity to dive deep into those pressing questions and come out on the other side with newfound clarity and direction. The availability on this is super limited and these spots are going to fill up really fast. So don't miss your chance to connect with me. Head over to my website, aliciapayne.com right now. Go secure your spot because together we can uncover a path to a more joyful, fulfilling, and easy non-monogamous journey. Talk to you soon. Mm, I love that so much. It really sounds like a big part of this, which I mean, obviously, but a big part of it is like um, getting good at picking people. Definitely. (laughs) (laughs) Like picking people that also can um, be flexible and adjust as things change and move. Yeah. I like to think about kind of the Venn diagram of like my wants and needs, your wants and needs. And like if you pick people where there's not really much overlap, it's going to be really hard to have a great relationship with them. Uh, So it's never like I... I've never experienced where it's exactly the same and they're perfectly uh, just one circle there. It's, it's always some kind of Venn diagram, uh, but trying to find people where there's a lot of overlap. And, uh, yeah. and so we can find ways to anchor in those parts of the relationship that really work. And that gives us more, more strength and more of a solid foundation to work through the parts that might not overlap. 
Mm, yes, yes, yes. I love that so much. I, yeah, I think it. Um, all too often I see people who feel that like scarcity, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's not enough people. I, like I just have to accept whatever comes my way because there's no other choices or no other options, right? And so um, I think if you can um, get out of that scarcity mindset and um, and not settle for people that like you aren't compatible with, right? Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry, I'm dying. It's okay. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be fine. I'll be fine. I have tea. <laughs> what more do you need? <laughs> exactly. Cure all. <laughs> oh my goodness. But I, uh-huh. I really I really hear what you're saying there about about that scarcity. Um it we might talk about this more later in the show, but I am about to run this program called Beyond the One, which is uh, which is really going to address that concept because ever since we're kids, we're fed these narratives, right? Of like, oh, this this one soulmate or like the Prince Charming, like that was really it for me as like a Disney princess girl. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Of like, oh, this one man will come along in his shining armor and will on a horse exactly on a horse and he's just gonna make everything better we're just gonna work out in every way and I have to do anything to make it work with that person and even well into my polyamory journey I that was still a deep attachment a deep narrative that I that I had and so I got into a relationship with my Prince Charming where I felt all of those feelings and there were all of these synchronicities and the universe just started to align in this way. And it was like, this is my one. And we're polyamorous. Like he had another partner who, you know, we were practicing egalitarian poly. We were all living together for a while. Um, and that caused a lot of distress for me because he was like, he was my one. And I had this deep, deep, low-key, unhealthy attachment uh, with him. Like part of the attachment was the trauma bond there. Yeah, yeah, and that yeah, yeah. was p- part of what continued to like reinforce this narrative. Um, but I, I stayed for a good year and a half after things went south, which, you know, was only maybe two or three months in, uh, like Uh. now, now I know now I have this greater sense of abundance, but at the time it was like, well, this is my person. This is my counterpart, my twin flame, my soulmate, blah, 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 blah. (laughs) And so it was just like this steel trap that even though I was dating, even though I was out there living my best poly life, I was also so entangled and enmeshed in this unhealthy relationship that was not bringing out the best in me, um, that was not contributing to my health and well-being. And it was because of that scarcity of like, I won't feel mm-hmm. this this kind of love again. This is the kind of thing that only comes once in a lifetime. Uh, and that was that was a good four years into my poly journey that that happened. So even in this world of non-monogamy, 
there is that that scarcity that can stick around from old monogamous conditioning. Yeah. Yeah. It takes so much unwinding. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I remember even like being being like you were talking about being a kid and like liking different different kids. And I remember even as a little kid, like in elementary school, oh, I don't like him anymore because now I like him and I can't like them both. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but wait. <laughs> wait a minute um, here. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I I'm could not curious. deny. <laughs> I couldn't deny my my deep passionate longing for multiple of these other children. <laughs> right. <laughs> my friends thought it was weird, but I was like, I can't help it. <laughs> I'm all in. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm I'm um curious about what a mindfuck it can be to be having those contradictory emotions of like, this is the one, but like not the one because I'm polyamorous, but this is the one. And then also be in that dynamic um, in an abusive situation, which I think entirely too many people are in and don't recognize. So I'm curious what, what caused you to start recognizing that? Like what, what happened for you that you were like, Oh, this might not be good. Hmm. So I like to think about it as this little tiger that started off as a little baby inside of me. Um, And every once in a while, when he would say something to me, that little tiger would be like, like, no, that's not true. And then over time, more and more things kept happening. And that little tiger in me started to grow up and get bigger and get more powerful and and then it started coming out and of course this be- began to create more conflict because i wasn't as much in this space of just like oh whatever you say i'm sorry for existing um but really it was this uh this inner power and this sense of self um and, you know, I was in my early 20s at the time. And so, and I, I lost my dad when I was 14, which really impacted like that protector voice in my head because I had a really deep, amazing relationship with him. And so when he was gone, I just went seeking kind of male approval wherever I could get it. And I hadn't yet really internalized that voice. Um, and of course, I'm I'm still working on that to be totally honest, uh, it's, it's an ever evolving process. Um, but it was really taking time to reflect on like the things that he was saying and doing and just being with my gut in that sense of like, this isn't right. I'm not being treated right. That thing that he said about me is not true. I do not carry all of the responsibility for everything that is going wrong in our relationship. Uh, and it was a, it was a slow process uh, that definitely led to this crescendo in the intensity of our relationship that finally came to a head and got to the point of no return where things, things got so bad and it ended in an episode of, physical violence. And that was it for me. That was when I finally 
hit hit my limit and realized that that I couldn't stay anymore no matter how destined it felt no matter how passionately and deeply I loved that person it was just not a healthy relationship and that that tiger had grown into this beautiful gigantic powerful beast so majestic and like that was me I had become that through the course of this adversity Uh, and then it was time to start the healing process (laughs) and boy that was a journey too yeah 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 yep yep that checks out (laughs) (laughs) oh my god I'm so proud of you holy shit that's amazing I'm so proud of you for recognizing that and getting out of that so soon um, I say so soon. I imagine it felt like a long time, but I, I, the reason I ask you more about that is because it's really important to me. I spent 13 years in a relationship like that um, before I went, wait, wait, I'm not wrong. And when I tell people I was in an abusive relationship for 13 years, they find it hard to believe like Alicia, really? You're so confident. <laughs> like, I can't believe you would, you, that would happen. But like, it's such yep. a, it's such a slow thing that happens. It's so it's like, it's little things that start to build up. Right. And it's like you don't totally. recognize what how much of yourself is being pushed back and how much we actually tend to gaslight ourselves. Like, oh, I guess I'm wrong. He probably knows better than me. I, you know, like mm-hmm. maybe I especially am doing when there's deep wrong. wounds. Like yes. especially when there's a lot from, you know, childhood or before that that's made you question yourself. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I just I thank you so much for sharing that story. Uh, <laughs> um, so I'm, I'm curious, okay, you were talking about, um, your program beyond the one, which I am, I love, I love the name and I love the concept. Um, can you tell me a little bit more about it? Absolutely. Uh, so I'm about to go back to grad school in June. This is my preamble. (laughs) Uh, I'm studying to be a couples and family therapist. I'm focusing on non-monogamous relationships. Uh, So I I did my first year and then I've been taking this year off and doing this coaching business. And I've had a great time working with individuals and couples. Uh, But golly, I really have a lot that is up here in my brain and in my Google Drive of all of the different therapeutic tools and you know poly principles, if you would, like different different research uh, that I've done throughout the years in this work. And I've been seeing in my communities, multiple different circles, that non-monogamy has really been gaining a lot of traction in the world just right around me in my friend circles. And of course, like in that process, a lot of people have been coming to me asking for advice. And it's like, gosh, the question you just asked is like six sessions, my friend. Uh Um, uh, But, you know, a lot of folks don't want to just like hire a coach or don't have the resources to do that. Um, And, So I decided to put together this program that was kind of D-Sky's greatest hits or like all of my very favorite skills um, from non-monogamy research and also from therapy and um, my schooling 
in the mental health world and psychology. And I am condensing it into a still lengthy 18-week program. Uh, So it's going to be 18 weekly calls. Uh, I'm recording them all, so it's like no big deal if people don't feel like attending some week. I just really wanted to get all of this amazing knowledge and these fantastic skills uh, out of my brain and into my community uh, at a price that would be really affordable for for the people who I know and love who are in their 20s and trying to make ends meet, uh, but who are falling into some of the pitfalls and struggling to find their way, are lacking community support. Uh, So I was really excited to do it, not just like record it and release it, but create a live container where folks can drop into this community space, into a supportive learning community where we're all like getting these skills together and finding moments where we have extra time to do little hot seats where people can share what they're going through and we can workshop that as a collective. Uh, So not only are they receiving my, you know, cherry picked favorite pieces of information that I think will help along the journey, but they're also gaining, uh, these relationships uh, that we'll be fostering over these four months of mostly people who are local to the Seattle area, but of course it's open to folks in other parts of the world as well because it's online. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and creating this like little circle of trust where we can feel a little bit less alone as we're navigating something that is not the mainstream that doesn't have uh, this, you know, quote unquote, tried and true, like rule book for like how to do it. We're all kind of making it up. We're all figuring out what's going to work for us. Um, But finding some common ground in like, you know, no matter what kind of non-monogamy you're practicing, these emotion regulation skills are going to be useful for you. Or these these communication tools are going to help figure out what that's going to be and what is going to work for you and your partners and your metamors and everybody. Uh, (laughs) So yeah, we'll be meeting online. We'll be sharing skills. We'll be sharing our experiences. Mm -hmm. And then it also comes with two one-on-one coaching sessions uh, and half off one-on-one coaching sessions through the duration of the program for anyone who wants more of that additional support. and. I'll be start like scheduling one of those at the beginning so I can really get a sense for where everybody's at in the group so I can help tailor the program to individual needs. Uh, and it comes with a bonus of monthly play shop potlucks, which is the part Ooh. I, yeah, I am really, <laughs> really excited about this. And these are also going to be open to the broader community. So not just for folks who are participating in beyond the one deep dive, um, but creating more space for non-monogamous folks to gather in person, to build community, to share food together, to get to know each other, drop in about Mm. our experiences. And then we'll be doing fun exercises to 
you know, bond with each other, authentic relating, but then also really putting some of these more challenging communication tools into practice. So giving folks that like lived experience in a safe container where they can look another human being in the face and say the thing that they know that they need to say, but is really, really hard to say, for example. So terrifying. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yeah. But it's like, you know, it's, it's even harder when it's like real, when it's like you're alone in a room with the one person who, you know, needs this information. Uh, and, And I find that so many of the, traumatic relationship experiences that I've had and I've seen come from an inability or unwillingness to have those difficult conversations Mm -hmm. and to overcome those hurdles and those blocks in communication. Uh, So I'm really hoping with these in-person gatherings, we can create a space that feels safe and loving enough that we can start to knock down whatever is blocking our way to healthy and open communication that we can then go apply in our real life relationships and not just our partners, but like our mothers too. (laughs) Right. (laughs) That sounds so freaking good. That sounds amazing. I think that that is um, probably one of the hardest things for people is the community aspect um, and having other people who are going through similar things and having similar experiences when when uh, we are uh, outliers of of the standard way of not just doing relationships, but living, really. Yep. It, it is a lifestyle. <laughs> it certainly <laughs> transcends just our dating lives. At least it does for me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally. Totally. Mm-hmm. I love that. How, how can people find your program? Find me on Instagram at the forgiveness doula and shoot me a message and we'll hop on a little call and chat and see if it's a good fit for you. Um, Again, I'm super committed to making this program accessible. This is like my last chance to get it all out there before I'm back in school, doing my therapy internship, working as a therapist. And so, you know, this is not really my ongoing gig. It's going to be transforming pretty soon here. So really my mission is to just get all this beautiful knowledge that's inside of me out to as much of the community as I possibly can before I'm kind of unavailable for a little while. Yeah. Yeah. I love that so much. I love that. The forgiveness doula. That is a fantastic freaking name. I love it so much. Where did that come from? Ooh, thank you for asking. <laughs> uh, so my my last quarter in school, um, this past spring, I was in a research methods class, and we spent our entire quarter working on a literature review and recommendations for clinical application on any topic that we wanted. And I had heard this incredible podcast episode featuring Dr. Robert Enright. And, uh, and he, he is the founder of the Forgiveness Institute. He's the most prolific researcher on forgiveness in the field. He's been doing this for decades. 
And just in one episode, I was so like, I was so blown away by hearing about this process. Um, I was like getting out of this relationship um, where the partner I was with for almost three years had really betrayed my trust and broken our agreements and was carrying on this long-term relationship with uh someone who I thought was a friend behind my back while we were trying to work on things. And there had been other betrayals in the process. And I was so unbelievably hurt. And I knew that I didn't want to continue that relationship. Um, I started looking into forgiveness while I was still in it because I wanted to save the relationship. But by this point that I was really doing this literature review and all of that work, I knew that I was very, very done. Um, and we were not in contact anymore. However, I was still so weighed down by the hurt I was feeling in the wake of that. You know, we went through COVID together. We, you know, we lived together for over two years. It was, it was my biggest relationship up until that point. And a lot of it had been really great. So I was, I was pretty lost. Um, and my mental health had really tanked. I was depressed and anxious and was just having a hard time experiencing trust in people. I was having a hard time reaching the state of true intimacy uh, with the great people who I was seeing. And I, I knew that I needed to find a way to release that from my heart, from my body, because it was weighing me down. It was interfering in my relationships. And it was just so, so uncomfortable to be holding on to all of that pain and resentment. Uh, so I decided to do my big quarter-long research pro uh, project on forgiveness therapy interventions and their effects on mental health. So I, I dove deep into the literature and looked at a lot of these studies that, that Dr. Enright did along with other researchers to see, okay, well, what would happen, what could happen if I did manage to reach the state of true forgiveness? And how the heck do you get there? Because I had been sitting there trying, you know, it's like, I'm like gritting, like, forgive, forgive, forgive. And it, it wasn't working, girl. <laughs> I'm just going to force myself into it. I'll right. be better at the end. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, whoa, that, that was not working. And it had been a really, it had been some months at that point. Um, and so as I, as I did this research and went through my own process, um, it, it, it works. It, it freaking works. Um, and I, I was so blown away to see the results in the research. I'm, I'm talking like incest survivors who had gone through horrible abuse as children and had been suffering with severe depression for decades who had tried all kinds of different therapy, medications, spiritual retreats, you know, everything that they could to just try to feel better. And all of the participants in this one particular study came in um, and 
as they filled out their entry surveys, they said, I don't think I'm ever going to forgive my abuser, whether it was their father, their uncle, whoever. They were really set in like, that's not going to happen. Like they ruined my life, which is completely understandable. Um, But they went through the process and every single one of them was able to find forgiveness and find find substantial relief uh, from their depressive symptoms. It was the only thing that worked for them where they were really able to reclaim their lives. And just, it was study after study like this, where I was seeing that, that these interventions compared with, you know, a, a similar type of intervention, but without the forgiveness focus, mm-hmm. the results were undeniable that forgiveness just has this huge impact on your own mental health, whether or not you choose to reconcile with the person who harmed you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, I love that you mentioned that. I love that you mentioned that part because that's what I was thinking. Like, because people ask me all the time, how do I forgive people? Um, And, and I don't know. I'm not good at that. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Right, right, exactly. I love that you mentioned like you can forgive without having to reconcile or having to like let somebody back into your life. Yeah, absolutely. Forgiveness is, I see it as a rebirth within yourself, which is why I chose the name doula because it's like this death of this part of you that was attached to the resentment and the hurt and the revenge, even if it was just like internally and this, this rebirthing into someone who is compassionate and generous and free. Mm, Yeah. And so I, you know, I just decided as I was leaving school and starting a coaching practice that 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 was a niche that I really wanted to focus on was helping people to discover this abundant freedom and honestly like blissful feeling that is on the other side of that resentment. It's like you're carrying such a heavy weight um, even, even as you're going into the process, it can be, arduous. It requires perseverance. It requires courage. And and you're walking through that pain, just like you are going through a lot of pain as you're giving birth to a child, right? It's like this very intense experience. But on the other side, holy cow, it's indescribable. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. I love that so much. That's amazing. Um, wow. <sighs> what a great place to come to and, and what valuable work that is like really, really needed. Yeah. I mean, we, we need it globally, hmm. right? Yeah. We're yeah. seeing that so much. Uh, it is, it is needed uh, <laughs> in, in all relationships, great yeah. and small, familial and distant like the the more and the more that we can practice it, the more it becomes who we are. Um, mm-hmm. I, I looked at a lot of studies in my literature review also on what we would call trait forgiveness or just kind of being a more forgiving person in general. 
outside of just like this one intervention or this one relationship. Um, and that also showed really high correlation with, you know, post-traumatic growth and higher relationship satisfaction and just general greater well-being, fewer depressive and anxiety symptoms uh, in people who have had really challenging life circumstances, really stressful jobs. Like it's by being more forgiving, it gives us kind of this this buffer uh, and protects us from the things that are happening because we know our own compassion. We know our mm. own capacity to take adversity and take something awful that happened and go through this sticky, challenging process and come out of it as a more loving individual instead of uh, developing PTSD uh, or, you know, having it take these huge chunks of our lives, of our spirits. Uh, so it's, you know, it's an ongoing process of, of building that. And it's hugely helpful in non-monogamous relationships for sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's really funny. I was about to ask you uh, what someone anyone can do for free that will help them approach relationships in a healthier way. And I have a feeling it's going to have something to do with forgiveness. <laughs> uh, something someone anyone can do for free. Uh, gosh. I'm just trying to think of like what a good what a good step would I, I think like the first the first phase in in the forgiveness process is to feel and acknowledge um, what is left in you after these injuries or instances of harm. And so what I would say is like for free, what you can do is sit down with yourself and write it out. Like, write down everything that you're holding on to and don't hold back. Like, let all of that emotion come out into your journal um, or, you know, to your therapist if you prefer to express verbally or into a voice memo of just like, these are the things that happened to me. This is how it changed my worldview. This is how it affected my opportunities, my relationships. Um and and giving yourself space to grieve and and feel and release and just process through it and it can you know it can really take some time and be super challenging i do recommend working with a coach or a therapist through this kind of process but you yes you the listener are absolutely strong enough to take it on and you don't have to start with the goal of forgiveness like it's actually phase two of the process to commit to forgiveness, to decide that that's what you're going to do. Um, phase one is just uncovering everything that you've pushed down just to be able to like survive and manage and stay afloat. Um, so don't, don't worry and don't shame yourself for sure about not being ready to forgive or not having already achieved that like transcendent state because it is not easy and it is not something that just happens naturally 
every time. It it takes a lot. And that first step is to really make space for yourself and for your feelings and to and to let yourself let yourself go there in a mm-hmm. way that that feels safe where you have like resources to help bring you back. Um, and then you yeah. can start to access your heart more and that will allow you to connect with others in a more authentic, loving, intimate way. Yeah. 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 I love that so much. The acknowledgement and acceptance and feeling the feels is so, so freaking important for everything. Like literally for everything. Like you can't, <laughs> you can't move forward until you've done that. I mean, you move forward, but like not fully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's definitely a big difference between moving on and forgiving. Yeah. And moving on is a very valid choice. And, you know, forgiveness is absolutely a choice. It's, it's not something that you have to do or that, in my opinion, you're morally obligated to do. Like some people might think that some people might have deep philosophical or religious beliefs that, you know, could help move you towards forgiveness. But it's also totally valid if, if that's not your path and you want to or need to just move on for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. It just, it doesn't lead to the same relief and rebirth and, um, evolution that I think really giving the time and space for a forgiveness process can do. Yeah. Yeah. That's beautiful. I love that. Thank you. Thank Mm. you for sharing that. I have one more question and this one um, will not be on the main episode. It's um, uh, a behind the scenes kind of extra that I give to the Patreon subscribers at patreon.com slash not monogamous. (laughs) And it's this segment's called just the tip. And it's what is your best or favorite sex tip? <laughs> On another note. <laughs> Ooh, okay, okay. This has been freaking amazing. Is there anything that you um, want to share with the listeners that I haven't asked you? That's probably good. Uh, I love it. Uh, like I, there's more. There's so much that it's too much. Yeah, <laughs> right. I'm like that's pro. I mean that's probably a solid like taster. Um, you know, I definitely have like more on like forgiveness and what it is and what it isn't and all its benefits and like all of that. But I, um, I feel like. That's probably an adequate taster enough for people who resonate with the struggle to want to reach out and learn more. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, that's perfect. It's perfect. And um, I'll put in the show notes how they can, um, how people can contact you and then they will do that. And um, I have enjoyed this conversation so freaking much. I love talking to you all the time. Um, Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Alicia. This is so great. And I'm, I'm very grateful to have uh, popped my podcast cherry with you (laughs) and not a stranger. Uh, You're so easy to talk to. Your laugh is totally infectious. (laughs) Thank you. Um, 
And that was Daisy Sky with her enlightening just the tip segment. <laughs> if you're curious about that and you want more, there's a whole world of exclusive content waiting for you. By becoming a Patreon supporter, you can access all the behind the scenes insights and bonus content that we reserve for our special community. So don't miss out on these extra nuggets of wisdom and sexiness and deeper dives into all of these topics that we are all craving more of. So you can go to patreon.com slash not monogamous and join us. It's not just a subscription. It's your pass to a more intimate and enriching experience with this podcast and our incredible guests and yours truly. Thanks for listening today. Remember that the journey to understanding and embracing non-monogamy is this ongoing adventure, and I'm here to help explore it with you. So until next time, keep nurturing those open, honest conversations and stay curious. Bye. Thank you so much for listening today. It would mean the world to me personally and would help us keep this little podcast going if you would subscribe, leave a review, or share this episode with your friends. For more personalized support with your own relationships, we can work together on a one-to-one basis. Just visit my website at aliciapain.com and schedule a free call to chat about life, the universe, and your relationships. Bye.